2: The Bob Seska Show. Bob Seska. Bob. Bob.
1: Bob. Luga, 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 luga. Why don't I just
3: call you Bob? The Bob
1: Seska Show. <laughs> From our nation's capital, it is Tuesday, January 24, 2023, and this is the Bob Seska Show on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. How you doing? I'm Bob. Hello, Bob. Hi, day 734 of the Biden-Harris administration, 651 days until the twenty-four presidential election. You can find me on Instagram, TheBobSeska is my handle on Instagram, Twitter, it's BobSeska underscore go, our Patreon is BobSuskashow.com. and look, it's Buzz Burbank with the news. Yeah.
2: You say I won't sign
1: it. You
0: said it all.
2: Hi, I'm, I'm not signing any damn visitor logs, okay? <laughs> God damn it. Sorry, someone someone tried to make me sign in. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, how are you? Hi, Bob. Hi, everybody. Uh, he is, of course, Bob. I'm Buzz. And you may remember us from our roles on Hannah Montana. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that, Remember? Show. Yes. <laughs> you were the understanding counselor, and I was the crusty janitor. That was so... <laughs> That's exactly what it was, yes. Uh, hey, we also want to clarify that we have never been, Bob and I have never been drag queens, Okay. We were young and had fun at a festival. <laughs> uh, Republicans have proposed a 30% national sales tax. Mm-hmm. A 30% national sales tax. Economists worry that this could drive up the price of a Republican. See, <laughs> I mean, they can be bought, is the idea. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, hey, did you see it? Uh, uh, Trump got fined a million bucks for his revenge lawsuit against Hillary Clinton. Yes. So legally now, he's got her right where she wants him. (laughs) Uh, And experts are warning us. You know what? They they always do that, don't they? Experts are always warning us about something. Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, Mm -hmm. Experts are now warning us about the dangers of artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. But I think we're going to be okay. We're used to hearing it from Republicans. (laughs) I'm surprised I haven't heard that joke before. That's great. In Australia, they have found the world's biggest toad. Maybe you've heard about this. (laughs) Six pounds this thing weighs. Six pounds. Here's what you didn't know. It immediately got a seat on the House Oversight Committee. (laughs) It's about time. (laughs) And on a sadder note, uh, we lost the great David Crosby this past week. Uh, He, of course, was most famous for co-founding the legendary group Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Santos. More
1: fun, more music, the Bob Seska shop. All right, kicking off a brand new week with a great Rocky Mountain mic. Here we go. I've had enough of the cinema girl.
2: I can be happy the rest of my life without the cinema girl. Dream she'll be president, she is a big louse. My dog has a better chance of winning the White House than Cinema Girl. Big Pharma sent her money now, she wore a vest made from cow. She doesn't stand a chance, she's got too big for her pants.
1: About Mike, Rocky, MNC, and Mike on Twitter. Yes, indeed, that's a classic right there because.
2: The Rocky Mountain Mike Orchestra. Uh, be sure and follow him on YouTube. I do, and because uh, he's got videos and all these great songs and everything there. Yeah, great job yeah. as always. Yeah,
1: just search for Rocky Mountain Mike when you go to the YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah, and uh, Kirsten Cinema will now be running against Ruben Gallego for. How do
2: we feel about this? Are we Senate. worried? Are we worried about splitting the Democratic vote? What's going to happen here?
1: I'm always worried about that, uh, yeah. and I, I'm genuinely concerned that we're going to see a split vote which will advantage the Republicans. Hopefully, Ruben Gallego will dominate enough that Kyrsten Sinema won't even be a factor as the independent candidate. But we'll see. She's got the money. Yeah, and it's way too early to tell. But this is the same thing that Joe Lieberman went through years Mm ago. She knew that if she ran as an independent, then the Democrats would be hesitant to do anything because they didn't want to split the vote. Exactly kind of what we're concerned about here in Arizona. But Ruben Gallego is plowing forward, and and his yes. first ad out of the shoot was genius. You just go to Ruben Gallego's Twitter yes. account, watch yes. his first video, his first commercial.
2: He's, he's presenting himself as a very down to earth guy, <laughs> and I think that's going to be important if he if he hopes to capture uh, moderate votes and and perhaps even some Republican votes. Yeah. In, in addition to Democrats, uh, uh, you know, I, I hope he's not painted as being too progressive. I think we can expect that from the well funded Christian Cinema campaign <laughs> as it comes along. Uh, but but Democrats, I think, are very excited about this opportunity to get a real Democrat in that seat, as opposed to the faker uh, Christian cinema.
1: Going back to your monologue, real quick. Going back yeah. to the news.
2: Uh, <laughs> you mentioned yes. something about how we
1: were drag queens, or what did you say we weren't drag queens? Or I, I never, said, been, I, never I, I, been drag queens? I, I queen. denied. I denied that we had yeah. been
2: drag queens, and and said we we just had some fun at a festival. That was that was Santos' excuse.
1: Yeah. Well, about thirty years ago, right about now, I was an intern on the Don and Mike show, as you yes, remember, Buzz. And I do. as part of my initiation into that circle. Uh, I'll never forget, it was the day after Bill Clinton's first State of the Union address. Mm-hmm. They brought in the makeup artist to the stars, whose name I don't remember. Right. And my assignment was to get dressed up in full makeup, full, like a, a wig, the artificial mm-hmm. eyelashes, all of it. Then to go with uh, Chris Ann. I think to like Silver Spring, Maryland and stand on a street corner giving out wrestling tickets. That okay. was my <laughs> that was my assignment and you know it was such a disaster. First of all, I never looked at myself in the mirror. And then when I got back to the radio station, I was like praying the whole way back that they would lose the tape of that show. And then I got <laughs> back and Diana was still there and uh-huh. I said you didn't tape that, did you? You didn't record any of that. She said, oh, "No, we lost the tape. We can't even do a best of." I <laughs> said, "Thank you. Thank God that that yeah. will get destroyed and, for
2: all time." And you had uh, somewhat romantic designs, uh, let's say, on uh, on on the young woman who drove you uh, to that appearance. I, as I, I recall, did. as I recall, you I were did. you were you were a uh, Frankenfurter sort of attractive.
1: That's probably it. And I'm so glad I didn't see myself. I, I always, just did I was, not.
2: I, I've always liked tall women, so, you know.
1: Frankenfurter Attractive. That's possibly the name of today's show. Um, <laughs> also, I have exclusive audio of that six-pound toad. Really? Yeah. It's, it's an amazing thing. I, I didn't realize that I, I would be the, the only picture. one. Yeah, that yeah, I would yeah. get the audio. Like, there's really? photographs uh, going around all over the place. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and when they found that six-pound toad, uh-huh. it, it was making this noise. <laughs>
0: Singing. If you refuse me, honey, you'll lose me, then you'll be left alone, oh baby. <laughs> toe, Top hat and tell me um,
1: spats.
2: Uh, yeah, yeah. If, and, uh, and and yet it bore a striking resemblance to Mitch McConnell, I thought. <laughs> so
1: Yeah, funny. Um, That's obviously from the Warner Brothers, Looney Tunes. Yeah, I love that. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: I'm trying to remember. Something Jay Frog, I don't remember his name. Yeah, I
1: don't remember either. But just kept singing that song, which I find uh, absolutely hilarious. (laughs) Doing (laughs) that little dance. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we have something that will possibly stymie us after the show is over. But we're just going to move past that. Because it's possible that any second now, Mm -hmm. we could hear about indictments Against Donald Trump in Fulton County, Georgia. This is. Yes,
2: we could. Yes, we could.
1: So we're talking
2: any nice. minute now. It, the hearing uh, began at about the same time as this show, maybe a little earlier uh, than yeah. this show did today. <laughs> so we hope to hear during the show uh, the judge's decision, uh, the judge in this case, to decide whether or not to release the grand jury's report yeah. on uh, election interference in Georgia. The grand jury itself, as I understand it, recommended release, but ultimately it's up to the judge. Simultaneous to that, and it could happen just as instantly, uh, we're expecting indictments to be handed down by uh, District Attorney Thonnie Willis. And uh, so this could be a, a very, very big day. Some of this, as Bob said, may happen during the show. Some of it may happen after the show. I, I have, uh, I'm going to think positively uh, that we will hear during the show. I have I, not to get us off track, but that's what I do. Uh, we, 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 we have some uh, bra- other breaking news just in from CNN as we record this. About a dozen classified documents were found at former Vice President Mike Pence's Indiana home.
1: Oh no, no! And turned over
2: to the no! FBI.
1: Ah, uh, yeah, well you know what uh, that's okay, that's okay, yeah.
2: yeah, yeah, okay. I took us off track for that. <laughs>
1: that's well worth it though, yeah, oh my God, after what have we had here now? Ten days of Republicans talking about how serious this is that Joe Biden mm. had, maybe right a dozen and a half documents in a couple of different places, and a lot of those documents weren't even marked top secret. Okay, now I've, after all of that, they've basically rabbit season, duck season themselves into having to make the same charges against Mike
2: Pence as well. Okay, I, I, I would like to take credit for being first on uh, yes. repeating something I said last week. Uh, I've had a number of people say to me on social media, gee, how many other previous presidents, vice presidents, and members of Congress have... Uh, You know, stuck something in a drawer, and and it goes back to what I said last week, and that is maybe it's time to look at the National Archives because, as I saw somebody else point out on social media, county libraries do a better job of keeping track of their documents. Much of what is being returned to NARA is... Material they didn't even know was missing. What kind of a library is that? I know. know. Yeah, so we need to take a look at that. Uh, Ultimately, that's where this is headed. I I like the way this keeps going back and forth, and it does take some of the heat off Biden because now you've got uh, uh, Trump and Pence. Uh, Pence, however, did the opposite of what Trump did. Pence immediately called the FBI and said, we found some stuff, come get it.
1: Yeah, there's nothing that's likable about Mike Pence. However, This is one of those situations where he's not going to be an a-hole about it right, like his true. former boss was. So, I mean, I don't know if there's anything indictable here. I don't see any serious no. issues arising no. out of this. And
2: uh, that's the point. Yeah, yeah. yeah so let's find, let's find Biden and, and uh, Pence innocent of any wrongdoing in this and get Trump for refusing to turn over the documents, hiding the documents, ignoring subpoenas, uh, you know, countering this in the public. Uh, you know, making these denials and accusations and false flags that come from him. Uh, the the difference between Trump and. Biden and Pence, let's tie those together, uh, is that uh, one side was clean and one side was dirty. And uh, that, you know, it's been said that because of what's happened with Biden, now it's going to make it impossible for DOJ to go after Trump on this charge. Well, no, it isn't because they are so very different. Whether the American people can or will see the difference, because obviously the media has had a role in this. Pollsters have had a role in this. I I was furious over the weekend to see uh, poll results that said most Americans believe that both Trump and Biden uh, mishandled documents. Mm -hmm. This is further... How did they get that poll result? By By equating the two in the media The media equated it over and over again And shocker, when they then asked the public about it The public recited back what the media had dictated to them Uh, It's just disgusting The state of the media And uh, how people are paying just enough attention To only hear the media's headlines
1: It's probably a good idea for everyone to wrap their heads around the concept That possibly Trump will be charged with just some form of obstruction of justice Uh, regarding the cover-up after the fact.
2: And that's a huge crime in itself.
1: Yeah, oh, oh my God, absolutely. So there's nothing to be sneezed at when it comes to obstruction of justice. On right. top of the fact that they lied to the FBI and, and on down the list. Also, you could make an argument that he was deliberately doing it. This wasn't a case where a couple of documents got shuffled into the wrong box or something like that.
2: He kept some as keepsakes. He stole them. And yes, I mean, he of kept course. Some, his story about the folders now. I didn't keep the top secret documents. I just kept the cool folders souvenirs. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, that's that's his latest thing. Well, it's just as plausible that he kept a love letter from Kim Jong-un for sentimental reasons yeah, yeah. as well. Uh, and, and if he did that, that's stealing. You can't do it just because it has sentimental value. That doesn't allow you to take those documents. They're not his. He took them. And so in my mind, and in the minds of many people, I think, he stole them.
1: Here's a crazy what if for you, Buzz Burbank. Okay. All right. What if... Some of the documents that belonged in the folders, the empty folders that Trump had in his possession of Mar-a-Lago, what if some of the documents that belonged in those folders ended up in Joe Biden's garage next to his Corvette? I'm just saying <laughs> wow. there's, like, a, there's know, a conspiracy man. theory going around that uh, rogue Secret Service agents loyal to Donald Trump may have planted documents In and amongst Joe Biden stuff. That's one of the conspiracy I'm not necessarily saying I agree with that. It is one of those things to keep that in your peripheral vision a little bit. You know what I mean?
2: Did did rogue Secret Service agents plant documents at uh, Mike Pence's house? Oh, uh, no,
1: no. Absolutely not. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's kind of one of the things that debunks it. However... We do know that there are people who are loyal to certain other bad actors and so on Mm -hmm. who are still inside the federal government. We're going to talk about Charles McGonigal here in in just a little bit.
2: Another huge story.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, ruling out these uh, rogues inside the bureaucracy uh, is not necessarily something that we should do. That's something that uh, is absolutely going on. And so, and, and we heard throughout Trump's presidency that he was. And, and by the way, I just want to ease everyone's mind. I'm not saying that this is the case. I'm not agreeing with this conspiracy theory. I'm just mentioning that throughout the course of Donald Trump's single term, his right. one term in office, that he was busily replacing disloyalists in the bureaucracy with people who voted for him and who support him, support his MAGA agenda and all the rest of it. So that was something that we heard, uh, you know, papers of record reporting on uh, right, during right. his presidency. Just just throwing that out there, just, you know, but, and, and food and for thought. Out-
2: thinking I mean it used to it, there was a time where this would be considered insane to propose mm-hmm. such conspiracies but uh, thinking outside the box is uh, sort of necessary these days because yeah. what's happening is outside the box uh, there're still risks involved with thinking outside the box like this you could be very very wrong to espouse a theory such as this uh, but it's kind of okay to wonder aloud because sometimes these speculations prove to be true
1: yes yeah, so this guy charles McGonagall... He's the former special agent in charge of counterintelligence in the FBI's New York office. He's accused of working with Oleg Deripaska. We all remember that name from the Trump-Russia investigation. He was the aluminum king. He's been on the U.S. sanctions list since 2018. And uh, according to NPR, McGonagall's involvement with the Russian billionaire Deripaska involved taking secret payments for investigating one of Deripaska's rivals. He also worked to get Deripaska off the U.S. sanctions list in violation of federal law, prosecutors mm-hmm. said. Mm-hmm. The federal indictment unsealed on Monday charges McGonagall and Shestakov, who aided him. He's a United States citizen with uh, Russian roots, obviously. Each one with uh, one count of conspiring to violate and evade U.S. sanctions in violation of the International Emergency Economic Powers Act. One count of violating the IEEPA one count of conspiring to commit money laundering, and one count of money laundering. Each charge carries a maximum sentence of 20 years in prison. Oh, fuck. And it's important to note here the timing of when McGonigal was upped to that position. He was appointed special agent charge of counterintelligence division of the uh, New York field office three weeks before Comey announced the laptop thing, before the right. 2016 election. Three weeks. Right
2: right and he's the guy McGonagall is the guy who is responsible for the, for Comey stepping out there he's the guy who yeah. basically pushed Comey out there to, to make that bizarre announcement just before the election about Clinton's emails being investigated after which they found no wrongdoing mm-hmm. uh, this McGonagall guy had long been respected and here's what people need to understand this is a top guy in U.S counterintelligence yeah. this is the, the like the one of the main dudes of main, and it was his job to uh, keep an eye on Oleg Deripaska, yes. uh, who acts as an agent of the Russian government. Well, uh, not only did he not keep an eye on him, he did business with him. Uh, McGonagall apparently committed these crimes while he was the head of counterintelligence for the United States. He yes. committed these crimes on behalf of Donald Trump, uh, ultimately. He was behind the Clinton investigation. He had negative influence on the Mueller investigation. Uh, and, and then and then went to work for D- Oleg Deripaska afterward. Uh, uh, Paul Manafort, Trump's 2016 campaign manager, uh, w- worked f- with and for uh, Oleg Deripaska for the longest time. And I, I believe it was Deripaska to whom uh, uh, Manafort passed the polling information from the Trump campaign. Uh, and, and then there's Mitch McConnell, which I want to add, uh, who t- tried to get an aluminum plant built in Kentucky with the yes. help of... Olag Deripaska. This is a huge, huge story, and it, it is about uh, Russian influence at the highest levels of U.S. government.
1: Exactly. So here's another bit of interesting information regarding the timing of McGonagall becoming special agent in charge of the counterintelligence division. Right. 27 days later, after he was appointed to that position— And eight days, just eight days before the 2016 election, the New York Times published this headline. Investigating Donald Trump, FBI sees no clear link to Russia. Right. I wonder if Charles McGonigal was the source for that story. Mm. I would wager a month's salary that he was. I also wonder if the reason James Comey stepped up and announced that Anthony Weiner laptop Hillary Clinton thing right before the election, mm-hmm. I wonder if he did that because he was concerned McGonigal was going to leak it. Again, this is one of those things I'm just throwing it out there yeah. because the timing yeah. is super suspicious. And now that we know that McGonigal has ties, accused ties to Oleg Deripaska, that he conspired to do favorable things, including getting the sanctions lifted against Oleg Deripaska. It is super-duper suspicious as far as I'm concerned. You, You can smell it like a fart in a car. This guy maybe did something to completely flummox the Trump Russia investigation, at least in the early days. So, the,
2: the, alleged, the alleged crimes of McGonagall here yeah. have presented us with uh, a severe national security problem. It, it is possible that a number of U.S. intelligence agents uh, working or agents working on behalf of U.S. intelligence have been killed because of the actions of McGonagall. Yeah. This is of all the scandals that we've endured over the last few years, mm-hmm. this is perhaps the deepest and scariest and it goes to the heart of the Russia investigation that so many people have discounted at this point, have written off as yeah. you know that that never happened. No, it it did happen. And uh, we're we're beginning to chip away at that iceberg.
1: And if you start to consider that possibly. And I don't see anything in the reporting along these lines. But it's possible that Charles McGonigal has some sort of loyalty to Donald Trump's style, his his ideology, his movement. It's possible that McGonigal and many other members of the federal bureaucracy, whether we're talking about FBI agents, people in the broader intelligence community, have already been brainwashed by right-wing media, have been absorbed into that bubble, and will only act on behalf of Donald Trump and their fascist, idiocratic ideology. And so you have to start to wonder, how many other Charles McGonigals are there inside the FBI? How yes. many investigations into Donald Trump? I remember just being absolutely confounded when all of the reporting that we were hearing leading up to the Mueller report, or, and especially that Bill Barr letter that preceded the Mueller report, all the reporting prior to that was absolutely leading toward some real-world collusion uh, charges, against right. members of the Trump team, the, certainly the Trump campaign, and then the Trump administration. And then everything started to just fall apart. It was like mm-hmm. everyone's tires were slashed. And it just went... <laughs> and yeah, yeah. and, and I, the whole thing just kind of dissipated over the course of maybe a month or so between that Barr letter and the Mueller report. And so I really have to wonder, was this investigation completely undermined from Mm -hmm. inside the investigation itself. Because this guy was right there in the middle of it. I mean, the counterintelligence in that particular office, that was a big fucking deal when it came to Trump Russia. And now we find out that he was acting on direct behalf of this enormous Russian oligarch who has very close ties to Vladimir Putin.
2: And apparently Mitch McConnell. Yeah, yeah. You can't overstate the size of this scandal. You can't overstate the threat to national security. Right. You, you can't under overstate the, <clears throat> the depth of this scandal. This is like the worst thing that's happened.
1: Yes. It's a huge story. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking about a Trump-era scandal here. Uh, someone who has, uh, you know, maybe one or two hops from Donald Trump, Oleg Garapaska. You go to Trump, to Paul Manafort, to... Konstantin Kalimnik to Oleg Deripaska. That's how the jumps go. I can't believe I just produced Konstantin Kalimnik after all these years. But
2: <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. You don't know if those Russian names are going to stick with you or
1: not. <laughs> I know I'm not sure if that neuron was obliterated at some point, <laughs> but there it is. Uh, this guy, Sergei Shestakov, he's a U.S. Uh-huh. citizen. He's a former Soviet and Russian diplomat and federal court interpreter. He's facing charges alongside McGonagall, as I was saying before. Prosecutors allege that Shestakov, 69, age 69, and McGonagall worked together to aid Deripaska. There's always someone else. There's, like, always a sidekick. You had uh, Deripaska and, as I said, Konstantin Kalimnik uh, working with uh, Paul Manafort. Uh, You know, look, anyone who tries to tell you that the Trump Russia thing was a hoax, that it just, there's nothing it's, there.
2: It's been forgotten. Don't, don't but the, listen. We, because of the perfect phone call with Zelensky and the, uh, yeah. the two impeachments and, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the Mar a Lago raid and everything that's happened since, uh, everybody's forgotten the whole Russian, Russia story. Yeah. But it's still there. And uh, no matter how hard you try to ignore it or forget it, it's back.
1: They're very, very good at changing the subject. But the subject always gets somehow changed back, doesn't it? And this is why this story is so important, because maybe we can finally take a look. We've got one of the perpetrators, possibly. We've got someone who has direct ties to Oleg Deripaska, who could, Mm -hmm. under oath, reveal a lot more of what was going on. And it's just a matter of the traditional press covering it the way it ought to be covered rather than appeasing Republicans by slow-walking the whole thing. I,
2: I've been so disgusted. we talked about before the media headlines that that, that equated, that, that made uh, what Joe Biden did. And again, inexcusable sloppiness. Uh, but, but we also know that he's not the only one in government who's done this. Not that that makes it okay. It's time for the... Archives to crack down, I think, yeah, a little yeah. bit on itself, but it, it began with the media equating uh, Biden and Trump, Biden and Trump, and then the, and then they have the gall, the unmitigated gall to, to uh, run a survey that finds, oh, surprise, uh, most Americans believe they're the same. Well, yeah, because that's how you painted it. Of course <laughs> that's what they think. The crooked media, as I tweeted, wins again.
1: Yes, they do. And we've got more about the uh, the crooked media <laughs> here in just a little bit uh, because the New York Times had to issue uh, a correction on a headline that it oh, posted mean, about the debt mean, ceiling.
2: Yeah, You mean an editor's note?
1: An yes. editor's note, yes, indeed. That's a great way to put it, yes. Uh, it's very, very famous on the show. What was it, last week? The editor's note yes. from last week? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah, I have one for this week, too.
1: <laughs> I just want everyone to know, we didn't get it wrong. We were just no. trying to predict. I mean, I guess our prediction was wrong, but I think most people were kind of looking at, at- somewhere down the road, maybe late summer, as when the at- shit would hit the fan.
2: At the time, that was the accepted truth. Nobody yeah. except maybe Janet Yellen knew otherwise, and she didn't say so until like the next day or so. So, uh, but up to that point, no one believed. I mean, we were right in saying no one believed that we'd run out of money before September. Well, surprise.
1: Well, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the uh, latest on the debt ceiling. And uh, I want to mention something that Rachel had an exclusive about yes. last night regarding George yes. Santos. <laughs> and uh, obviously the shootings in California, two shootings in, in just a couple of days. Can't ignore um, that. And these are mass shootings, not just any ordinary shooting. And then in that context, I also want to mention some uh, another instance of trigger-happy cops. Uh, yeah. just going way out of their way to murder a suspect. you got to wonder what the hell is going on when it comes to training, when it comes to procedures, when it comes to the, the quality of people that are being hired as cops in these situations or uh, SWAT teams or what have you. Uh,
2: very, very disturbing.
1: Yeah. And you wonder, too, whether there's a connection between trigger-happy cops and trigger-happy citizens. If we're seeing our police and, by extension, politicians using oh, firearms as a way to solve problems, whether we're bombing people overseas or whether cops are murdering innocent people in their homes,
2: it's it's America's mental illness, and it affects uh, and infects cops the same way it does everybody else. Yeah, as if as if there are wasn't already a problem with cop culture.
1: Exactly right, and then on top of that, the. The moral influence to say that, oh, yeah, this is okay. Yeah, it's not a problem. Right. If you need to shoot first and ask questions later, that's the American way. Go for it.
2: Right. Second Amendment, buddy. Yeah.
1: That's the, I think, the idea that a lot of people are getting uh, from uh, people of authority. And mm-hmm. that needs to end. That needs to yep. stop. We need yep, to get yep. back to a time when, oh, he got away, is okay.
2: Well, I, I guess among our few victories in the field of gun violence, uh, one of them is I guess we've gotten so used to these shootings that Republicans no longer say that it's too soon to talk about guns. Yeah. Uh, at least they've dropped that BS. So maybe that's progress. We'll see. Uh, but there is a more talk, uh, firm talk from Democratic lawmakers this week about uh, doing something about this. Uh, Illinois' uh, uh, assault rifle ban uh, was upheld y- uh, yesterday. So uh, I think, you know, there's uh, always an opportunity for change. Uh, obviously, we have a Republican controlled House that won't allow that, but uh, there is a new momentum out there.
1: Yes, there is. Okay, so we're going to talk about that, and I want to get into just a couple of things from Diamond's oh, yes. funeral. Very good. So we'll talk about that and a whole lot more here uh, coming right up uh, on our big Tuesday show. Mm-hmm. All right, so if you're only listening to this part of the show... Whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts and so forth, you're only hearing the first hour of the show. There's an extra 20 minutes of show after the end credits roll at the end of every Tuesday and Thursday show. And it's all happening on our Patreon page. Of course, I'm talking about the Shadow Docket podcast at patreon.com slash Show, or, for brevity's sake, showcom Now, just to be clear, what we're talking about in terms of what shows we put out there every week, okay. I don't know if I ever do this by way of a reset, talking about like what the show schedule. Schedule is uh from from Tuesday through Friday. So on Tuesday, it's me and Buzz on the free show, followed by the Shadow Docket that exclusively appears on the Patreon page. Right. Wednesday, there's an interview show, which is me interviewing someone who's in the news, someone who's written a book, a friend of mine. We have regular recurring guests like Cliff Schechter and Donna Halper uh so that's a basic interview show free available to everyone on all the various podcast platforms thursday it's me jody and david on the free show that's followed by the shadow docket also with me jody and david and then on friday it's the after party with me and kimberly that appears on our patreon page so that's your weekly schedule the shadow docket as i was saying is a completely unfiltered commercial free continuation of everything we didn't get to on the free portion of the show.
2: Plus, we talk about personal stuff and some showbiz stuff, too.
1: Yes, absolutely. Anything goes. It's sort of like, in a sense, it's sort of a mini after party. It's It gives mm-hmm. you a sense, a taste of what the after party is on Friday.
2: Without the refrigerator sex.
1: Exactly right. There's no refrigerator sex, I'm sorry to say. Maybe discussions of it Someday. at my expense. Yeah, but generally speaking, no. Buzz <laughs> and I are not having sex in the refrigerator. <laughs> um, the other thing about the Shatter Docket is it's only going to cost you pennies per episode. The Shatter Docket drops every tuesday and thursday after the free shows and it's only going to cost you five dollars per month that's the that's the subscription level that includes the shadow docket plus you get access to the patreon page and the comments and you get access to the patreon app and all the rest of it and you're going to be supporting this fully independent podcast so don't miss out that's bobsesca show.com bookmark it send it to all your friends why don't you and we thank you Betsy Aide and Well Known Strangers. is a brand new signal. I
0: don't owe you yep.
1: I love it. Holy shit. This one just dropped. It's a song called I Don't Owe You. Yeah, Betsy Aid, Well Known Strangers, one of our faves here on the show. Link in the description to download this music. Get going. Get it now. Bobseska.com slash music to submit your work to the show. Thank you
2: for doing that. All right. Where
1: do we go from here? What do we talk about now?
2: There's so much. Kevin McCarthy's undying love for Marjorie Taylor Greene. That's one. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, my God. And she weighed in with the conspiracy theory about uh, COVID and the vaccines. Uh-huh. She and wants that's all a-
2: okay now. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. We're going to get into that here in just a second. Well, I would talk about, real quick, what Rachel Maddow was saying about George Santos. I guess she yes. had an exclusive last night saying that uh, George Santos once claimed that he was a victim of an attempted murder
2: recently claimed. Yes. Uh, Recently. And
1: he's under police protection. I guess that the idea there was, Oh, the liberals are coming to kill me.
2: Is that it? Uh, I think that's the implication. He didn't come right out and say that. Uh, he conducted the interview. He spoke, he speaks one thing actually he can do a true thing about George Santos is he can speak Portuguese. And, uh, he, he was on a Brazilian uh, podcast and, uh, Mm Uh, he spoke Portuguese and, and as did the host, and, and uh, he was asked and answered questions. He talked about uh, being robbed uh, in the middle of Fifth Avenue, at Fifth Avenue and 55th Street in uh, Manhattan. they mm-hmm. uh, said he was robbed of his briefcase, a uh, number of items, and, and his shoes. And the host incredulously <laughs> says, you, you were robbed of your shoes in the middle of Fifth Avenue? <laughs> yes, yes, I was. And then and, and he, mentions, he mentions that his home had been burglarized or vandalized, I think he said, and uh, that there had been an attempt uh, uh, on his life. Uh, He may have also claimed at some point that he was under New York in fact he did claim he was under the protection of New York City police at the time of those uh, that death threat Uh, so far NYPD has not Responded to a request for uh, the public records on whether or not he was being provided that protection. But knowing Santos, uh, probably another lie. So this uh, appears to be the latest lie of this guy. Uh, Dana Milbank just did a great rundown in the Washington Post of the lies of of George Santos. Oh, do tell. It's it's nicely blended. He adds at the top that on Thursday, uh, Santos was denying reports he'd performed in drag in Brazil under the name Katara Ravash. Uh, But uh, to summarize, uh, (laughs) says Dana, he didn't attend Horace Mann School, didn't attend Baruch College, where he also didn't have a volleyball scholarship that required him to get two knee replacements, didn't get an MBA from New York University, and didn't work for Citigroup or Goldman Sachs. He didn't own 13 rental properties or have employees who died in the Pulse nightclub shooting. His nonprofit, Friends of Pets United, did not save 2,500 dogs and cats, although it is accused of stealing $3,000 from a GoFundMe for a disabled veteran's dying Uh. service dog. He is not a Jew. His grandparents were not Holocaust refugees, and they fled neither Ukraine nor Belgium. His mother wasn't a finance executive, and she wasn't at the World Trade Center, nor apparently even in the country during the 9-11 attacks, which didn't claim her life. His real name may or may not be George Santos or Anthony Zebrowski <laughs> or Anthony DeVolder. He may or may not be American born, have a brain tumor, be biracial, have a husband, be a long-time Openly gay man, or have attended a Stop the Steal rally in a stolen Burberry scarf. Thank you. Dana Milbank. Yeah. Running down the lots awesome. of George Santos. Nicely compacted <laughs> there by him, I thought.
1: Yeah. Holy shit. A couple yeah. things on this. I want to go back to the uh, stolen shoes. You know, there was an episode of <laughs> Sex and the City where Sarah Jessica Parker's shoes are uh, stolen in a mugging. Maybe this. Maybe yeah. that's where he got she, it. You know? Mugger confronts her, and says, give me the Manolos. And she has you to take off her shoes and then walk yeah. home on her bare feet.
2: You yeah. don't think he thought of this himself, do you? <laughs> uh, no, no.
1: That's what I'm thinking. Like he got it from Sex and the City, maybe. Here's where I am with George Santos right now. I get the distinct impression. That Kevin McCarthy and the Republicans, especially the House Republicans, need him Mm -hmm. to stick around.
2: They do. Because he's
1: a a distraction from what the awful official business is that they're doing uh, with regard to the debt ceiling, with regard to all these investigations. It's getting us talking about George Santos. And I will say... That it's mm-hmm. valid to talk about George Santos. That's it is. Sometimes the distraction mm-hmm. is worthy of discussion. That's what mm-hmm. I'm saying here. Yeah, yeah. And this is certainly worthy yeah. of
2: it. And obviously, not the most important story, but important no. enough. McCarthy needs that vote. And I hate to invoke the name of Woody Allen here, but in his stand up comedy years in the early 1960s, the guy was hilarious, in my opinion. And uh, he had a joke about, he said, uh, growing up, uh, my my brother was insane. He thought he was a chicken. We thought about getting him help, but we needed the eggs. (laughs) Kevin McCarthy... needs the eggs. Kevin McCarthy needs that vote from uh, George Santos, so he's standing by him. Not quite as closely as he's standing by Marjorie Taylor Greene, but but Kevin McCarthy needs that vote, and that is why George Santos is so far still there. That could change as criminal investigations of him continue.
1: Well, every think piece, every article that lists all of his lies is one fewer article we're writing about. uh, Kevin McCarthy and the debt ceiling and these Mm -hmm. Uh, investigations and the Rodeo Clown Caucus. Let's say George Santos is the head rodeo
2: clown at this point. <laughs> by, by the way, by the way, I was reading online a conversation between uh, some of my people, you know, some of my friends online yeah. and uh, somebody referred to it as the Rodeo Clown Caucus and uh, someone else took offense because he himself is a rodeo clown and didn't oh, think...
4: No. That oh, no! Oh, God! Fear.
2: So, I actually heard from a rodeo clown uh, wow. that he's not happy to be compared to the insane House Republicans. Oh. He said, rodeo, rodeo clowns have much more discipline <laughs> than, <laughs> than these folks do.
1: Hashtag not all rodeo clowns. So, okay, <laughs> right. you got to make ex- that ex- clear now, huh?
2: Exactly. And and I, I've been eager obviously because I've hinted at it a couple of times to get this in. Uh, the shocking words of Kevin McCarthy this week on the yeah. subject of Marjorie Taylor Greene, who is now driving she's he may be the figurehead speaker of the house but she's the one who's operating the pedals yes she is who's driving this thing and this week mccarthy said and i quote i will never leave that woman i will always take care of her oh my god he added she reminds me of my friends from high school and that we're going to stick together all the way through kevin mccarthy has completely sold out To Marjorie Taylor Greene because she got him elected after 14 tries (sighs) as Speaker of the House. And uh, so he has this undying—and that that puts her in the driver's seat. She's now pulling the strings. This is the party of Marjorie Taylor Greene. She's not a fringe crazy anymore, as if she ever were. McCarthy admires her, by the way, because of her brand, MJT. He thinks she's done an incredible job of marketing herself. He greatly admires her her (laughs) marketing. And the way she can uh, advise him on what the far right is thinking uh, so that he can respond accordingly. But make no mistake, she is in charge. And so that's why it's so significant that Kevin McCarthy, Speaker of the House, would say, I will never leave that woman. I will always take care of her.
1: He has no idea, does he? He has no he has idea. No that the idea. more Marjorie Taylor Greene, the more we uh-huh. see of MTG on right. Twitter and in the news, right. the better it is for Democrats. I'm just thank saying, you. the MTG. same goes... I think it. I said
2: him. Yeah, I think I said MTG, but thank you for <laughs> correcting Well, me. regardless. It, I think everyone he, knew what you meant. McCarthy even said, Democrats had AOC, we have MTG.
1: <laughs> this is great. Yes, because everyone has initials. Shocking. Right. Um, anyway, so that's always positive. It's good. Marjorie Taylor Greene, Jim Jordan, Matt Gates, all these people, Lauren Boebert, they're scaring away independent voters. They're scaring away swing yes, voters. Yes, so please yes, yes. keep going, Republicans. You're doing great. Exactly. Um, just uh, on a uh, more solemn note here, this yeah. shooting in Half Moon Bay, California, seven mm-hmm. killed in two related shootings mm-hmm. at a mushroom farm and a trucking firm. And then there was the shooting at Monterey Park where 11 were killed. And uh, obviously the questions are the same as they always are. How much profit did firearm manufacturers make on these shootings? What was the profit margin on all those bullets? What was the profit margin on that? Look, You know what it looked like? It looked like uh-huh. an Uzi. I think the United States is the only Western society where it's legal to
2: own one of those things. Yeah, Second Amendment, Bob. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we we had the shooting in the the Los Angeles suburbs, Monterey Park, and then also in the lovely coastal community of Half Moon Bay in uh, Northern California. Mm -hmm. Uh, The uh, Southern California shooting now appears to be a case of jealousy. The Northern California shooting now appears to be a case of uh, workplace violence. Uh, In in addition to that, uh, obscured by that uh, Sunday morning, uh, a shooting shooting of eight people in Shreveport, Louisiana, all members of a family, three of them children. Uh, I, I don't know what the death toll was there, but I know eight people were shot. I know the usual dozen people or so were shot in Chicago over the weekend. And uh, today, just before we began this show, in Yakima, Washington, uh, at a convenience store, three people shot dead, the gunman on the loose. Uh, we we are averaging two or better, <laughs> better. Yeah. We're averaging mm-hmm. averaging two or more mass shootings every day we're t- we had 600 some mass shootings last year 365 days in the year 600 some shootings nearly 2 a day we have already beaten that pace in 2023 somebody commented is this like the 800th week of january by now because it it feels like it uh and and uh, these shootings uh, have a lot to do with it this is all about gun culture as bob alluded mm-hmm. yep. uh, the, the hundreds of rounds of ammunition found at the home of the southern california shooter uh he had at least two guns with him the night of the shooting and they found more in his house it's this gun culture it's about yes. the guns and uh, as i said it's riled uh, democrats up again uh, that they're making a lot of noise and a, and a big push we'll see what happens
1: we have been convinced and i say we in terms of we all know who we're talking about mm-hmm. we have been convinced that the best way to solve problems is at the point of a gun that when you yep, can't yep, yep. when you can't resolve your problems using words or whatever uh, any sort of thought process, then you we- just you pick up a gun and you shoot at your problem. That's the whether, American way.
2: Yeah, whether it was that domestic shooting in Louisiana, apparently, uh, yeah, or a workplace shooting in Northern California, or a jealousy uh, shooting in Southern California, or uh, you know a, a hate shooting in 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 New York State. Uh, It's just guns. Guns is Mm -hmm. the common factor in all of this.
1: Absolutely. And it's the common factor when it comes to uh, some of these situations where suspects are being summarily murdered uh, extrajudiciously. And we have another case of that in uh, North Carolina. Mm -hmm. Another horrendous video. Uh, We were talking about the Keenan Anderson video last week and a little bit the week before. This new video from North Carolina shows this disabled man. It looks like he was in, uh, lived, living in a double wide or a trailer. Right. And he's awakened in the middle of the night, crawls out of bed with his wife or his girlfriend, I'm not sure of the relationship there, answers the door, and the SWAT team immediately opens fire, guns shoots him twice in the, in the torso, once in the chest and look like once in the stomach. So, yeah, shot this disabled man, who was unarmed and complying with what the SWAT team was asking him to do. His name was uh, uh, Jason Harley Cleffer. I think that is the Cleffer is the last name. Told him to go outside and then they shot him as soon as he opened the door. I, I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing because he did nothing wrong. And the amazing thing about it was there was surveillance video of the whole thing. There was a camera inside his trailer showing the point he's getting out of bed, turning on the light. And then after he was shot and dragged out, the cops went in, first of all, SWAT team looking like they're in the military, looking mm-hmm. like they're you know, joining you, you, in, in the siege of Fallujah or something you like ta- that.
2: You've talked about before the militarization of the police. We've all seen it.
1: Yeah. Yes, yes. So it looks like these guys are Marines in the green zone of mm. Iraq or something like mm-hmm. that. So as soon as they go in, they notice the camera and say, oh, fuck, this is being video recorded. And they turned out the lights. But, of course, the camera is set up with infrared so you can still see what was going on.
2: And police violence affects uh, black men disproportionately. Uh, Let me say that up front. Absolutely accurate. Having said that, the victim in this case was white. In Memphis, we just had five police officers fired for excessive use of force on uh, a Memphis man who died in their custody, uh, zapped by tasers and beaten, brutally beaten. Uh, all five of the attacking officers were black as well as the victim. So at, at a certain point, although blacks are disproportionately uh, more victimized by police brutality than whites, yeah. we see that the problem is maybe perhaps more the gun culture, the gun, the trigger happy culture uh, of of police of law enforcement, and as Bob po- has pointed out in the past, the militarization of police.
1: Yeah. Well, then you combine all of that with racial profiling. And that's where it gets really toxic right. for people of color. Right. Right. And, and so while the poor training is still there, while the shoot first and ask questions later procedures are still there, right. then it gets amplified when you throw in racial issues, when you throw in judgment calls based on how the appearance of the suspect.
2: Whenever, when I was a, a very young reporter, oh, here comes Buzz with an old story again. <laughs> When, when I was a very young reporter, one of the things you do, I think this is probably pretty common, is you do a ride-along with the police. Yeah. And uh, that, that has multiple purposes, but I certainly had my eyes on them. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't see any unprofessional behavior that night, but one of the cops confided in me, and I'll never forget his words. He said, because I was very young. I could have been like 19 or 20 when I heard this from a cop on a ride-along. He said... There's a very fine line between a cop and a criminal. Yeah. We're both in it for the adrenaline.
1: Hmm. Interesting. And
2: and that adrenaline is obviously a factor in the uh, the testosterone factor as well. Yeah, the yeah. Ma- There's male toxicity at work here as well. A gun. Uh, uh, got gun.
1: Yeah, and there are a couple of additional factors that the cops have nothing to do with. First of all, they're being trained in these procedures. They're being told that this is how you have to do it. Otherwise, you're going to lose your job. Or wow. otherwise, you're going to be killed. That's the training. That's how you learn to be a cop. You're being told that deadly force or using your knee on someone's throat is the way you subdue them. And then uh, everything spirals out of control. On top of the politics of it, first of all, an entire Republican Party Mm -hmm. that whenever, especially when they're painted into a corner, start demagoguing crime. Mm, Which is Second Amendment. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Second Amendment crime. But it's mainly about when they're talking about crime, it's mainly about black
2: people. Implied. Yeah, you always hear hear that.
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah. When they mention gun violence, where do they go to? They go to Chicago. They talk about Chicago. Chicago is like ranked in the 20s, maybe even in the 30s on the list of the most dangerous uh, murder capitals in America. It's not even in the top 10, but they go there all the time. Chicago, all, all the black on black crime. It's all the blacks in Chicago. And the subtext every time a Republican mentions crime is black crime. It's never about... That's the the, subtext, yeah. yeah, it's never about guys like, like, what was his name? Jason Harley Cleffer. It's never about white guys in their trailer parks. It's always about the black guys. That's who they're talking about. They want their voters to think crime, oh yeah, it's black people, and oh, adding immigrants. It's also Uh, undocumented immigrants who come in and behead innocent Americans and leave their heads in the desert or whatever the spooky tales of, uh, of fear and shock happen to be.
2: I think the scale of hate for Republicans is uh, blacks in first place, uh, uh, Muslims in second mm-hmm. place, and uh, Latin immigrants in third place. Yes,
1: indeed. And that's the drive behind all of this. That's why you see... And you know what? You can't rule out 9-11, too. The rea- right. the overreaction to 9-11. I wrote about right. this in my book from, God, 100 years ago. Where all of these small towns started to pick up surplus military equipment as part of Homeland Security grants that they received in the wake of 9-11 as possible counterterrorism measures. So you get all that's where the militarization of the police comes in, where there was such a. Uh, a reaction to towards-
2: police departments even in small towns were then overstocked with tanks or Ye- you know yeah. uh, vehicles similar to tanks and uh, you know personnel carriers uh, armor you know uh, stuff that the soldiers use in the field exactly. uh, suddenly became uh, became street level and this was after, especially after uh, uh, the the first murders in in uh, the, the story in Missouri that got so much attention uh,
1: apart from the fact that a lot of these guys who collect these giant arsenals of firearms these high- lobbyists eventually at some point are going to want to use one of them
2: it's gotten so bad many uh liberals have taken up firearms as well because they're afraid of all the conservatives with firearms at yeah, this point yeah i mean it's it's even bleeding over onto our side uh and i don't think people want that but that's no. where we're headed it's just become too accepted we can't continue to move on from this it's no other country on earth deals with this no other country deals with this
1: well we're going to take a uh, quick break here and when we come back i want to talk about the latest on the debt ceiling and the republican plans as far as social security and medicare yes, and uh, yes, yes. and i got a couple of clips of audio here from uh, diamond's funeral right I remember last week we played the audio of donald trump promoting his appearance at a funeral and his appearance did not disappoint and uh, plus, we, uh, the, the conspiracy theories around the COVID vaccine are now going fully mainstream, at least on the Republican side. So, And this is all connected. This is all related to what happened mm-hmm. at uh, Diamond's funeral over the whole weekend. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Excellent. these people. Okay, uh, quick break. Uh, back with more show right after this.
4: Bob Zeska. now the time has come to see the writing on the floor when i finally look up
2: i'll know things better than before because i was born for these days i was
4: born for these days i was born
1: I love this song. This is Wall Singer. That song called Born for These Days. As you a probably tell. A
4: yeah.
1: Link in the description to support Wall Singer. Seat. Yes, indeed. Just what you do is you go to bobseska.com. You click on this episode dated 124-23. And you scroll on down and you'll find links for not only Wall Singer but also Betsy Aid and the well-known Strangers. Support our independent recording artists here on the show.
2: Van eyes.
1: Yes, uh, Indie Music Countdown. (laughs) Indie Music Countdown is back. It's back, coming up this weekend. It will drop probably uh, Sunday or Monday, this coming up. More rock,
2: Uh, less talk.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, in fact, no talk. More rock, no talk. There will be no talk. I'm just doing straight-up playlists. There'll be fun jingles and stuff like that in there. But as I've been saying, everyone loved the Indie Christmas Playlist. And Good. the yeah. format of that, so it, it all I'm great. doing is just adapting that. So you can just listen to straight up uh, every single song that we've played throughout the month of January, and again, that's coming up this uh, month. And I'm not sure if it's going to be both on all of the podcast platforms and Patreon. I know it's at least going to be on our Patreon page, probably free. I don't cool. know yet. It's my I'm 99% certain I'm going to make it free Suspense. on the Patreon page. Yeah. Uh, I haven't decided yet where it's going to go. Just one of those things. Do I push everyone to the Patreon page to get it? Uh, maybe. Please. Yeah. <laughs> maybe.
2: Please. Please. Yeah. That's very nice. Uh, listen, Bob, have you ever had the Watergate cake? Have you ever heard of it? Watergate cake?
1: Watergate cake? No, I've never heard ah. of Watergate cake.
2: Well, Bob, then you'll want to stick around for the uh, shadow docket today because <laughs> yeah. I will tell you about my experience with Watergate cake and what that's all about. Interesting. Uh, and, and, and also, uh, the Oscar nominations came out today. And as you know, I'm voting in the Screen Actors Guild Awards, and I've seen... uh, one of the biggest movies, everywhere, everything, all the time, or whatever it's called. Yeah. <laughs> everything, everywhere, all at once. There is the you name. go. I'm, I'm being silly. I may have an alternate title for it, but <laughs> everything, everywhere, all at once is uh, just swept the Emmy nominations with like 11. Uh, I'll talk a little bit about uh, seeing that movie as well today in the shadow. Diamond. Okay. Yeah.
1: The Oscar nominations? Did you mean the? the uh, yeah, I think the yeah, Oscar yeah. nominations came out today, right?
2: They they did. But I'm voting on SAG and, and so, so one of the uh, SAG award nominees as well. And, oh, okay, great. Many of the, many of the same categories, so uh, we'll talk about that because I've reviewed that movie and uh, I'll, I'll give you my take on it. I have a
1: lot of catching up to do with all of those Oscar-nominated movies. Oh, we all do, yeah. yeah. And yeah.
2: yeah. I'm not really just getting started, but uh, as I as I see the big ones, last week I talked about uh, The Banshees of Inner Sharon, and uh, this week I'll talk about Everything Everywhere all at once.
1: Excellent. Coming up on The Shadow Dog at patreon.com slash Show. sign up for $5 a month. We'll see you there.
2: All right. Yeah.
1: Uh, Republicans, as predicted, are looking at cuts to Social Security and Medicare. Yes. Obviously, doy. And this is fine. If they want to talk about this and threaten this, they will probably lose more votes. However, the problem is, I don't think that they're going to vote to lift the death ce- debt ceiling. I think what they may do, and I almost said death ceiling. That's uh, kind of yeah. it. It's like the death of the economy. Yeah, yeah, I guess You're that's- thinking
2: of COVID, I think, now. <laughs>
1: yeah. um, how do the House Republicans vote to lift the debt ceiling? I don't see it happening. I just don't. And what's going to happen is just absolute economic calamity. That's why that's where mm-hmm. I'm sitting right now. i I wish I had a more positive take on I, this
2: uh, when we first brought this up on the show, I predicted that uh, this time the Republicans should be believed that they that they are going to go all the way with this. Mm-hmm. I, I'm actually a little less confident of that now, but that that is, where it would seem they would have to head, but but I don't know. Uh, one of the proposals being floated now is to uh, raise the retirement age, uh, <sighs> to raise the retirement age again, yeah. which which amounts to a Social Security cut of 21 percent. That's a huge a huge cut in Social Security, and uh, I, I, the White House isn't going to stand for it. I've, I've had sort of a, I've read sort of an insider's view of of how the White House is handling all this. And it's a, it's a game of chicken, to be sure. Yeah. But I, I'm putting my money on the White House on this. I think they have a good strategy for getting this done. Uh, we'll see what happens.
1: Yeah. The solution to Social Security is easy. <laughs> what you do is you lift the cap on who has to pay into the Social Security trust fund. Remove it. I think it's up to incomes of one hundred sixty thousand dollars a year. Anyone making more than one hundred sixty thousand dollars, they don't have to pay any social security tax uh, on money they earn after the one hundred sixty thousand dollars. So millionaires and billionaires only have to pay up to one hundred sixty thousand dollars into the social security trust fund. Everything else is they don't have to pay those taxes. Right. And but if they did. That would solve the problem immediately, and guess what? They could all fucking afford it. (laughs) There's no doubt in my mind that Elon Musk would be able to afford having every cent of his income taxed for Social Security and Medicare.
2: But uh, the only thing I'd ask, here's my dumb guy question, since you're supposed to get out of it what you put into it, uh, does that mean they're going to get more money on retirement? They don't
1: have to. They don't have to. They don't need it. Because what happens is, if you have a more stable Social Security oh. system, you have people feeling confident in their ability to continue but, to receive benefits. Then they're going to be we, more willing to spend on the economy, which is going to benefit the millionaires and billionaires. You see what I mean? But when?
2: But when did we begin to consider the greater good? That's <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that's obviously the main thing. You consider right. the greater good and make sure that uh, of course it is. Everyone's we, paying. We
2: we don't always go that way.
1: No, absolutely not. So a group of GOP lawmakers has called for the creation of special panels. Mm-hmm. Let's call them death panels.
2: Yeah. that <laughs> might yeah, recommend sure changes,
1: changes to Social Security and Medicare, which face genuine solvency issues that could result in benefit cuts within the next decade. This is all according to the Washington Post. Others in the party have resurfaced more detailed plans to cut costs, including by raising the Social Security retirement age to 70, as you were saying, Buzz, targeting younger Americans who have yet to obtain federal benefits. Um, The New York Times, I mentioned this earlier in the show, New York Times published, then deleted the following headline about the debt ceiling. Here was the headline. (laughs) You can hear me saying this between size. Uh, Increasing the U.S. debt ceiling has increasingly been used as a political tool by both parties. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, both parties. um, First of all, using the word or variations of the word increasing twice Mm -hmm. in the same Mm -hmm. sentence. uh, Terrible. Yeah, see also previous remarks about rank amateurs uh, writing headlines and tweets and, and articles. Um, then again, it sometimes happens. But you know, this is the right. New York Times. You get quality control in the New York Times. You get vetting. You have editors looking at this shit. There's no excuse Supposedly. for seeing increasing and increasingly in the same sentence. But the point is that they're talking. They're sides. both sidesing
2: this. Right. That's what they do. That's what they're all about. I mean, just uh, we need to point that out more and more and more that the media you're seeing is all about both sides because yeah. why? Because they love a horse race. They love they love uh, oh they they love he said she said. Mm-hmm. This is it's that conflict that that media thrives on. And so anytime they can both sides anything, that's what they're going to do because it's good for circulation, it's good for ratings, and it's good for clicks.
1: And then they had to issue Uh a correction. Oh. So seconds later, they- An editor's note. Yes, exactly. Well, this is actually a correction. Ours was an editor's note. I know, I know. But the correction went up. First, they they deleted that poorly worded tweet. Uh And then they said, an earlier tweet misstated the nature of recent debt ceiling showdowns. Mm -hmm. Both parties are responsible for the debt, which Uh is partly true. Right. But only Republicans are using it as a political tool. We deleted right. the incorrect tweet. So at least and there's
2: I'm, that. I'm sure they did not mention that 25% of that debt was run up during the Trump administration. Yes. Beca- because of the tax cuts for the rich.
1: Yep. <laughs> it's 25% of our entire national debt all during the Trump years.
2: Correct. Yes.
1: So there it is. And you also have to bear in mind, too, that a considerable portion of the debt is investment in the United States, whether it's American citizens investing in the United States or foreign governments investing in the United States in the form of treasury bonds and other securities. And then, you know, it's a matter of paying our debt, debt that's already been racked up. That's uh, you pay you, you make payments on that debt, like anyone with a credit card bill. And what Kevin McCarthy wants to do is say, Well, you know, instead, we're just going to take the credit card away and not pay the bills. This is the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard. And these are people who have no compunction whatsoever to maintain the full faith and credit of the United States. They're fine with this brinkmanship. They're fine with running right up to the last minute. And in fact, in this case... Just running right past the deadline, whatever that might be in June, or however long Janet Yellen has said that uh, she can use emergency measures to keep paying the bills. So uh, this is one of those things where they're absolutely willing to let the economy crash because they know exactly who's going to be blamed. Now, whether... American voters will accept that it's Joe Biden's fault is another story. I mean, it could backfire against the Republicans, but still, yeah. What kind of calamity are we talking about here? Well, you know, they don't even have to let the debt ceiling expire. They don't even have to run out of money before uh, the global financial sector starts to go, Hey, you know what? Maybe we should stop using the dollar as the global monetary reserve uh, currency. You
2: know what I mean? The very the very threat of this could set off a worldwide yeah. recession millions of Americans could lose their jobs. The White House isn't budging on, uh, they're not going to give up anything on Social Security. The the bipartisan Senate isn't going to give up anything on Social Security. I don't know how this ends. Uh, I, I I can't see it any other way than ultimately the House has to bend or give in because this ploy isn't going to work.
1: No, it's not.
2: And but the result, as you pointed out, could be very real very real disaster could come of this the very threat of defaulting can hurt our credit and and set off worldwide panic
1: so not only did donald trump do a promo for his appearance at diamond's funeral like we all do we all do that i mean whenever we're going to appear at a funeral we all do a, a video promo for hey join me two days only one at the wake one at the burial i'll see you there folks No, you don't do that. It's completely tasteless. But, you know, Donald Trump thinks it's just an appearance that will only take 15, 20 minutes of his time. He'll be in and out. (laughs) No one gets hurt. He did say
2: that, you know. He did say at one point, I was told this would only last about 15 minutes, but I can see it's going to (laughs) last a lot longer than that. (laughs) Yeah. What a horrible thing to say.
1: Really? Here's Donald Trump complaining about how long the funeral was. Ah, I don't
2: believe, you know, they told me
1: said, so give me a little time, because I have a lot of people waiting for me back in a place called Palm Beach, Florida.
3: I said, give me a little time. What do you think it'll take? <sighs> oh, about 15, 20 minutes, sir, in and out. I said, well, it could take longer. This is a little longer than 15 minutes, right?
1: <laughs> oh, So what he does is he complains about how long the funeral is taking. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, probably a couple of diaper changes required in the course of that <laughs> funeral. But complaining how long the funeral is, which is absolutely tasteless. Yeah, all you people here to memorialize your friend, your loved one, your family member. Eh, you know, why, why are you taking so goddamn long? I was told that it was only going to be 15, 20 minutes. What the hell's happening here? But on top of that, then he blames his people. He's like, yeah, I was told, just a quick in and out, and now it's like three hours, and what the fuck? What the mm-hmm. fuck, Stephen Miller? <laughs> What the fuck? Oh my God. And they all think that's hilarious. There was all kinds yeah. of giggling, like, oh. He's so cute. There we yes. go. Oh, how cute. He's complaining about the length of the funeral. <laughs> and then he talked about how he didn't know silk. He knew Diamond, right. but didn't know silk. It's like saying, oh yeah, I knew ketchup, but I didn't know mustard.
2: Right. <laughs> I had no idea and who and mustard is. Say, saying that at Ketchup's funeral. Yeah.
1: <laughs> right. Donald Trump admitting to never knowing Silk, even though he's met Silk, at least on a couple of occasions.
2: You know, the world has lost one of its brightest stars, real star, but I see that uh, we have another star who is equal, to, but she stepped up and she is different. I'm, I'm serious. I thought I knew them both. I didn't. I knew,
1: I knew Diamond, but I didn't know Silk at all. I just learned about Silk. <laughs> You're fantastic. You're going to carry on beyond... Beyond anybody's wildest imagination. Donald Trump has met Silk. He just doesn't know who she is, hasn't bothered, and then admits that right in front of her. Like, yeah, we've met. I'm aware of Diamond, but who the fuck are you? Oh, now I know. You're the one who uh, performed CPR on your sister when she was dying. I get it. Right. (sighs) So this is the real... Uh, clip, I think. This is the real big takeaway from the funeral as far as non-funeral things go because it Mm. turned into just another Trumpism airing of grievances and when Silk got up to talk she talked about her sister obviously quite a bit, but then she started talking about how her sister died because someone shedded the vaccine the COVID vaccine into her somehow Uh Uh-huh. Like, this is an actual thing. Like, if you give a vaccine to one person and they bump into someone else, that other someone else is going to suddenly be vaccinated somehow. Right,
2: right. Be infected by the vaccine. Infected
1: by the vaccine. So here's Silk talking about how Diamond was killed by the vaccine, the poison known as the COVID vaccine.
3: And another thing. Instead of asking if Americans are vaxxed or unvaxxed, the real question to ask is our Americans being poisoned. In the wild, when they want to depopulate and sterilize a large group of animals, they usually inject one animal. And then that one animal, in fact, the rest of the animals. So technically, and according to the science, it doesn't matter if you're vaxxed, or not. As long as the gain of function allows one injected person to transfer and affect another person, and that person affect another person, eventually, everyone will be affected in one way or the other. Mm. So in case, some of you been hiding under a rock, or still stuck in denial, people are dropping dead around here. And nobody's talking about it. They're dropping dead suddenly and unexpectedly. The catchphrase is sad, S-A-D, sudden adult death syndrome. Many calls it a conspiracy theory. I call it murder.
1: No, she just called it a catchphrase too.
2: So don't be, don't be stuck in the now, Bob, (laughs) whatever that means. All right.
1: You know what? Don't get vaccinated. Fine. But you know what what? you want? Now what this is, is it's not just a battle against the vaccine. It's a battle Mm -hmm. against people who are vaccinated. It's like, don't go near those people who are vaccinated. You know what? I'm fine with that. Stay, have stay you, away. You,
2: you you had to have seen by now the videos of people faking having the shakes as a side effect of yes. the vaccine. Yes. And and then now the parody posts by liberals <laughs> of, of things <laughs> I since I got the vaccine, my protein shakes have never been smoother. <laughs>
1: I'm sorry, these people who are posting videos of themselves with yeah. tremors. Fake
2: tremors, yeah.
1: This is either well, there's one of two things it's either a f- fraud. <laughs> Uh-huh. Or it's people with
2: mental health issues, or foreign interference, for that matter.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it could be any number of things. But it's what it's not is it's not the vaccine. And if it is it's one of the, real. if it is one of the vaccine, it's, it's an extreme, extreme outlier. But what people are suggesting, just based on the visual aspect of these videos, is yeah, probably fraud. Yeah. But going back to Diamond's death.
2: Yes, yes.
1: The word is that she died of heart disease. and
2: A typical complication of long COVID, by the way.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you know what? Thousands of people die from heart disease every day. I, I've mm-hmm, seen numbers true. in the range of about 3,000 people die every day of heart disease. Wow. The number one cause of death in the United States is heart disease. Risk factors include genetics, high blood pressure, diabetes, obesity, smoking, lack of exercise, mm-hmm. alcohol abuse, etc., But as I wrote on Twitter, Dr. Silk MD's expert diagnosis is the COVID vaccine. And not just the COVID vaccine. Getting the COVID vaccine, I don't know, magically from someone. Yeah, yeah, through being in contact with someone who's received it. So that...
2: (laughs) And, and and disinformation on Twitter for example has never been more rampant uh, than it is now under Elon Musk. Elon yeah. Musk is allowing all of this bullshit and it's just gotten wild, wildly ridiculous. Uh, and and it's scary really because there are so many people, perhaps millions, who believe this.
1: Yeah. This is uh, this is an obvious situation where <laughs> they want it to be the COVID vaccine So they're saying it's the COVID vaccine. And it's not. It's like Marjorie Taylor Greene tweeted, or she quote tweeted, Silk's remarks about the vaccine. Of course she she did. I demand an immediate investigation into COVID vaccines and the dramatic increase of people dying suddenly. Mm -hmm. This can no longer be ignored and is not political. Yeah, you know what? It
2: is political. The people who are dropping like flies are those who are not vaccinated. That's a fact.
1: Yes, the people who are dropping like flies are people who are getting COVID and dying. That's
4: correct. But, But
1: there are also lots of people dying every day. It's just one of those things that people do. People die. People get heart disease. People get cancer. People get all kinds of other ailments that kill them. They're shot. They're murdered. I mean, to immediately jump to some sort of conspiracy theory where it's some sort of gain of function vaccine shedding is just propaganda. It's just uh, simpleton belief in uh, nonsense, hocus pocus. Yeah.
2: Wear your mask. Wash your hands. Uh, this ain't over. Uh, to recap the good news, though, well, first of all, we did not hear from the judge, so we don't know if he's approved the release yet. Five. Uh, maybe we'll find out. Four. Maybe we'll find out during the, the shadow. Three. Uh, two. And we haven't heard from Fonnie Willis whether she's going yeah, to, yeah. Uh, you know, indict today, possibly Trump. Uh, but we did hear that uh, classified documents were found in Mike Pence's home, so we have that.
1: If she doesn't indict, it is because Uh the grand jury recommended that there be no indictments. But the word to NBC News is there will be prosecutions coming from this grand jury. Yep, yep, yep. So, and that's the mm, word on background. Uh, They didn't name a source specifically, but yeah, (laughs) they're looking at prosecutions. So we'll see. It's just like, ah, Fuck. Fuck. Well, we're going to be back tomorrow, obviously, with an interview show. I'll be talking to uh, Justin Rosario from The Ah, Banter at thebanter.substack.com. Finally getting around to uh, talking to Justin on the show.
2: Oh, you guys will have a heyday with whatever we find out later today.
1: (laughs) Yes, indeed. It's going to be a fun one. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Yes, indeed. Okay, so the uh, shadow Docket's coming up next on our Patreon page, BobSescashow.com or patreon.com slash bobseskashow. Uh, or if you want to go to BobSuska.com, you can click the all caps link just below the logo at bobseska.com. Sign up for $5 a month, and then you can listen to the shadow Docket. We'll see you over there, folks. Bye-bye. Hello, my baby. Hello, my honey. Hello,
0: my am gal. Send me a by Baby, my heart's on fire. <laughs> You'll lose me, then you'll be left alone Oh, baby, teleport and tell me I'm your own
4: Yeah